Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter. I'm your co-host, Phoenix. And today we are reviewing the 1991 sci-fi action movie uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, also known as T2, directed by James Cameron, stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, Edward Furlong, and Joe Morton. A cyborg identical to the one who failed to kill Sarah Connor must now protect her young son John Connor from a more advanced cyborg made out of liquid metal. Okay, let's get it. Okay, Terminator 2. Um, what is your history with this? Do you saw this often growing up? Um, yeah, I saw this movie a lot more than the first one for some reason, mainly because it was uh, more popular on TV. Uh, I probably, I think I agree with that. I think this one uh, plays a lot more on TV. Uh, I'm not sure how many times I've actually shown you this movie, um, but it is rated R mainly for language and violence. Um, I wouldn't say it's a hard R, but it's, it's definitely worth its rating. But uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he returns as a Terminator, the uh, T-800 Model 101, a uh, cybernetic organism composed of living tissue over a metal endoskeleton, uh, which he was reprogrammed and sent back uh, in time to protect John Connor. Linda Hamilton also reprises her role uh, as Sarah Connor. She's the mother of the future leader of the resistance in the war against Skynet. Uh, Robert Patrick is the T-1000, which is the new Terminator, uh, is an advanced shape-shifting prototype Terminator composed of liquid metal sent back in time to assassinate John. Um, in this movie, it introduces Edward Furlong in his first role as John Connor, uh, the 10-year-old, which I forgot he was 10. I thought he was supposed to be like 13, 14. Uh, maybe Edward Furlong was at that age. Um, but anyway, he's um, given survival. Well, he's the son of Sarah, obviously, but uh, she basically raised him and gave him the survival training uh, at a young age. But he's, you know, later taken into foster care after his mother is institutionalized. Um, Joe Morton um, is Miles Dyson, who's the director of special projects at Cyberdyne. Um, and is responsible for the creation and destruction of Skynet. Uh, Earl Bowen um, reprises his role as well as Dr. Silberman, who is Sarah's psychiatrist, and he's you know still skeptical of her prophecies of machines destroying humanity. Um, do you have any questions about this before we even get into it? Um, no, no, not really. Okay, so the opening scene, it shows kind of present time you see uh, you know what appears to be LA you see a lot of traffic and it keeps showing us uh, parts of a park you know there's kids swinging playing in the playground and then it cuts to the future which is 2029 and you get a glimpse again of post-apocalyptic world where you know humanity is you know in in war with the machines uh, how do you think this future looked uh, in comparison to the what we saw in the first movie, it looked uh, almost identical to the first one, except that instead of using uh, stop motion claymation things, uh, they actually used um, either CGI or something more uh, a little bit more advanced than what they used in the last movie. Yeah, the, uh, it's it's the latter. Um, there's not too too much CGI, um, but they used a lot of more like real size. I don't want to call them puppets, but the real, um, more real life size um, Terminators, and so that you know when you get a close up of it, that's actually what you're looking at. So it's not CGI, but uh, James Cameron likes to use practical effects, and I think this one, uh, you know, does a much better job than it did with the the first movie. I mean, and the what was it? It's a eight year difference, right? Eighty four to ninety one. Yeah, so it's been eight years, and so I think they did a really good job with the special effects. Um, we get a glimpse of future John Connor. What do you think of his look uh, and his scarring on his face? I can tell that they fake they focused more on the scar than um, the actual face. Um, I didn't think too much of it. What do you, what, why do you think they showed us the scarring on the face? To show that he's been put through hard times, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, he's gone through some combat. Um, the 
we get a, the Terminator theme basically over Judgment Day, right? Everything that we saw, the traffic and the playground and all that, everything is on fire now. Uh, what do you think of that image? It was um, it was a it was a eerie image to think about or look at, but um, you think it was sad that they kept on showing the playground on fire? No, I just thought, oh, title credits, okay. Okay, uh, we get the arrival of Arnold in the time sphere. Do you recall like the first time you saw that? You know, whether did you think he was good or bad? Um. I'm pretty sure I, I knew that he was good. I don't know how, but I, I knew he was good. You may. I, I'm thinking maybe you did just based off like maybe some of the other Arnold movies you saw that you knew he was you know a type of name that maybe you're not used to him like playing bad guys, right? Like how many movies do you think you can name where he's actually played a bad guy? Probably can't name very many, right? Nope. So, yeah, because, you know, this is definitely not your generation that, you know, grew up watching a lot of his movies. So you you probably already kind of just, just thought that he was a good guy only by name. But for those that watched this back in 91, they couldn't tell, right? Because the last thing they, they saw him in in a Terminator movie, he was he was the bad guy. So, so you probably just kind of just assumed he was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still trying to think of movies where I can think of where he's been bad and... What do you think of the effects of his arrival? Um, this time, you know, he still shows up in that in that sphere, uh, but now you get the indentation in the ground, um, and you see like a good chunk of like a like a piece of the semi uh, cargo trailer, you know, is kind of missing. So pretty much everything in the sphere around him was uh, burnt and uh, singed. Yeah. So um, it was- yeah, it's just it's just big uh spear sphere of uh, lightning, pretty much. But it was kind of a cool effect, huh? The way it was singed, like you said. Yeah. 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 Um, so he goes, uh, you know, he goes into basically a biker bar, uh, and he's, you know, checking out all the motorcycles as he walks in, and he's kind of scanning everybody to see who has clothes that would fit him. Um, I think. Uh, what, what'd you think of this scene? I thought it was funny. The, um, you know, the, the biker the guys all looked at him funny, but then the the women all looked at him like, mm, he's kind of sexy. Maybe they saw the the first movie or what <laughs> we saw in the first movie. Um, it, okay, so you, you get a little fight. Uh, he gets stabbed. He gets uh, whacked with a cue stick, um, throws a couple guys around. It's kind of hard to tell, right? If you didn't know that he was a good guy, um I think like a first person who a first time viewer watching this couldn't tell right just the way it's playing off because he's beating these people up just for some clothes right but he didn't kill any of them no he didn't um you're right because compared to the first movie you know he punched you know through somebody's stomach Mm -hmm. um you know and gutted them out basically and so this one um yeah, I, I suppose you're right. He didn't kill anybody, right? The, the, the I think the most severe was when he threw the, um, the 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 one guy who he took the clothes from. It, nope, he plunged a knife in a guy's back. That was probably the worst thing. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, uh, on top of the the pool table. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I take that. I mean, you know, perhaps that uh, that guy would be. What's that word? You know, when Stabbed? you're no, no, no. When you're when a wheelchair uh, lacerated. No, 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 paralyzed. Oh, maybe, maybe uh, it hit the spine and paralyzed them. Could be. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, would you would rather be burned for a few seconds or stabbed in the back really hard? Uh, let's see. Does it hit any major organs? Ask the guy that got stabbed. <laughs> um. Okay, so we we get the uh yeah he he takes the clothes and then he comes out of the bar and you you know cue the bad to the bone song. Um, and he takes the, the, the owner, uh, I'm assuming it's the owner. He comes out, uh, says that, Hey, you know, I'm not going to let you take off with a man's wheels. So Arnold, you know, takes, uh, the man's rifle and sunglasses. Uh, what do you think about the song and him taking the sunglasses? James Cameron's really crafty about, uh, which direction they took with this Terminator. They, they knew that they were going to misdirect us, Okay, which was nice. Um, but what do you think about the song playing? Do you think the song was cheesy at all, or do you think it fit the scene? I didn't really care. <laughs> it, it, just no thoughts? No thoughts at all. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was kind of cool growing up, but uh, after, after 
you know, um, you know, with grown up eyes now and listening to some other podcasts, they have made uh, kind of a good point that it's kind of cheesy. Um, just the song playing. OK, we get it. It's a Terminator. But also, why does he need the sunglasses? Maybe it was because John Connor sent him back and to show that he had a little bit more uh, human to him. I guess maybe put sunglasses on him or something. I don't know. I, I see where you're going with that, but I would actually argue that it makes him more human just because you, if you can't see the eyes, you you can't really tell the emotions. I, I don't know. Maybe like, it was to blend in a little bit easier. With sunglasses? Yeah, because it night? matched his outfit. Uh, I, I guess. <laughs> uh, none of those other guys were wearing sunglasses inside the bar. You never know. Yeah, but it's, you know, because the reason he needed it in part one was because his eyes were damaged, or at least one of them. Uh, this one, you know, he, he arrives and he takes, you know, some sunglasses. Um, one thing about, one of the things I liked about Genesis is that he is not seen wearing them um, very much, and that's not a spoiler at all, but it's something that I don't think I've recalled hearing anybody else kind of point out which is kind of cool, but if you see any of the images, you know, like the posters and stuff online, um, he's never wearing sunglasses in any of those. So, and it's f funny enough, a lot of people say he, you know, this is like his best performance was in Genesis. Um, so look look for that, you know, for those that haven't seen it yet or have seen it, go back and kind of just watch. Like, yeah, you don't see Arnold in sunglasses. But we get the arrival of the T-1000. What do you think about this guy, Robert Patrick? I like his cheekbones. You like his cheekbones? He's he's kind of a slender guy, right? Kind of yeah. kind of acts a little bit more human. Um, he doesn't quite emote in this scene, but he just I I think for again for a first time viewer, it's hard to tell if this person is human or robotic because he doesn't move like a T800 at all. You know, uh like I said, he's more slender so you can't tell that he's a big build. Um but Kind of interesting choice, you know, definitely a contrast in bodies. Um, he, let me see, he uses the police computer to locate John, you know, instead of they, they've gone away from the, the phone books this time. Um, we get a scene of John and his friend. Uh, you probably don't recognize the friend, but his name is Danny Cooksey, which is uh, the actor. I know him from a TV show, I think that was on Nickelodeon, called Salute Your Shorts. Nope. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's one of those shows that I watch. You know, like how you watch like the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. I'm just like, well, why do you even watch? That was 2007. Uh, okay, what was the one before that? Just well, that's still like eight years ago. Yeah, that's still a long time ago. But um, that's what I was saying it's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So, but but the show that I watched, The Salute Your Shorts, it, it was something like that. Like I would watch it, and maybe somebody a little bit older, but like, what what is this show? But it, anyway, we find out in this scene that um, John lives with his foster parents. Right, because uh, his friend mentions that uh, the the foster father, foster dad, or whatever, he comes outside and says, "Hey, go inside. Do what your mother tells you." How long do you think John has lived with this family? Just for him to you know to refer to uh, Janelle as his mother. It's because it's kind of a weird thing, right, for a foster parent to say like, "Hey, you know, listen to your mother." Three, four years. You think so? Yeah. And he's already considering. Her like uh, his mother. That's, I, I I just found that kind of weird in the writing. Three four years because he did spend some time with Sarah Connor, right. which until he was about five or six. And if he's ten now, then that's about four years, four or five years. Yeah, I I'm trying to remember. But if, it, if it, this is his like second foster family, then there, he could have spent another year in foster care, and this is his second foster family. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know if they mentioned any of that stuff. Um, but okay, so we see we see Sarah doing some pull-ups, um, and who who's, who's got bigger arms, you or her? Her, because you you do some pull-ups. We 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 installed a pull-up thing in your door frame there. Um, but she's being held at a, a mental institution, which is uh, being over overseen by Doctor Silberman, I guess you know because he was the criminal psychologist from no psychiatrist psychologist psychologist. psychologist. Mm, I think psychologist, criminal psychologist, psychiatrist. Criminal psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. <laughs> it's psychiatrist. It's it's definitely psychiatrist. Okay. Um, Actually, it might be psychologist. Okay. Oh, I thought it was definitely psychiatrist. It might be psychiatrist. Uh, so Sarah, um, 
Yeah, we, we, we see her. She's buffed up. She's been in there for some time. And I guess Dr. Silverman is, I don't know, giving a tour to like a like a group of doctors. And so they're looking through the window. Psychologist. You still on that? No, I'm uh, just saying he's giving it. He's giving a tour to a bunch of psychologists. Oh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying now. Um, per- perhaps that they're definitely all wearing white coats. Um, but did Maybe you doctors? So. Th- did you did you notice that female doctor that just kept on like peering into the window? She, she had funny glasses. Yeah. She had, um, uh, the glasses didn't bother me. What bothered me was like the way it was shot. It, it looked like she was gonna like come back. Later on, you know, in another scene, like, like, I felt like she was someone that we were supposed to look out for. Like, I've always thought that every time I watch this movie, like every time we see her because it just zooms in on her face, you know, looking through the window. And she even does like a double take as um, Dr. Silverman is walking away from the door. No, she's just really curious. I I guess so. But it's just the way the shot is just like, why? Why is she the only one that keeps looking through the window? Just she wasn't the only one. Well, there were other people who were trying to look in, but she kept hogging it. Yeah, well, exactly. She's hogging it. Like, why was that a thing? Why were they not just all taking their turns? But it just, it just always seemed weird to me when I was uh, a kid because I thought that it was going to be foreshadowing something about her. So I think I've seen most of the deleted scenes, and I don't remember if there's anything with her in it. But I think shortly right after this, um, Doctor Silberman tells one of the orderlies um, to give her some Thorazine. Which I looked up because I was kind of curious to see exactly uh, what that is. And Thorazine is used in the, the treatment of both acute and chronic psychosis, including schizophrenia and the manic phase of bipolar disorder. So um, that's uh, some of the medicine that they give her there. So the T-1000, we see him go over to the foster house and John's not there so he asks for a picture. Um, and apparently Todd, the stepfather, stepfather, the foster father, he mentions that a big guy on a bike has come by and if this has something to do with it. And um, the T-1000 says, no, I, I wouldn't worry about him. So what do you think about that line? Because then I was like, oh, so he knows that he's there too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I uh, heard that line today while viewing the movie. Um, Not too much thoughts on that, just... Um... I wouldn't have said that. Yeah, just there's nothing to worry about. Uh, you know, if I see him, I see him, but basically, right? But I just thought it was interesting that the T-1000 does know that he's going to be there. Because I've always thought that, you know, John Connor seems to react after Skynet does something. You know, like in the first movie, the T-800 is sent, and then so he sends Kyle Reese. This time around, the T-1000 sent, then he sends a T-800 reprogrammed to go protect himself right so it's just interesting that you know it, it maybe maybe the skynet just knew i guess my thought is um that maybe the t-1000 suspected that some some other terminator might follow him or maybe a human yeah and you know if, if uh the foster parent told him you know there's this big guy on a bike well the t-1000's like all right big guy might be a Terminator, might be a T-800, because it took him a few seconds to gather his thoughts and say, I wouldn't worry about him. Yeah. I mean, they are in, in the middle of the war. Skynet would be stupid to not think that, you know, the resistance would send somebody else to go help, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, we see John in well, his... Quick, yeah. quick question, though. Uh-huh. How did they send back the T-1000 T-800 back in time if it got destroyed after Kyle Reese? Uh, where was where was that line dropped? In the first movie. Hmm. Um, I don't remember that line, but Genesis kind of shows something a little bit different. Um, yeah, because Genesis doesn't show them destroyed. Um, because you know there's time traveling in that one too. Yeah, I don't want to speak too much on that, but I, yeah, I don't remember that line. Was that early on or? When Silverman is interrogating Kyle Reese, Uh I'm pretty sure he says, Mm. why don't they send anyone else back? And Kyle's like, because they destroyed the time machine. I can't go back or something like that. Um... That, that kind of makes sense, but I want to say that he just couldn't go back because he can't go back from there because there's no time displacement uh, device. I think that's what it's called. Time... Time displacement... 
something. But anyway, he has no way of going back because there's not one that exists in that timeline. Um, so that doesn't answer your question because I, I don't remember that line being mentioned. But I mean, yeah, he just can't go back. But as far as somebody sending help, that's a good point, and that's the only reason I, I would think that yeah, you may be right is uh, if if they blew one up. So it could be could be a plot hole. I mean, th- this is a time travel movie. Like, th- there's gonna be plenty of plot holes. Maybe they rebuilt it because there was a eight eight year difference or something like that. Hmm. Uh, that could be very well. Uh. Well, I mean, it, it was 2029 20, in the first movie, and it is also in the second movie. So, but I mean, it it we, I think we we can just assume that they fix it if you know if it was indeed broken. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to get cross-eyed. <laughs> Think about time traveling. So John and his friend hacking the ATM. Do you? Did you? Was that believable for a couple ten year olds? Nope. <laughs> I was just wondering where they got that. Well, like, I know they got it from Sarah, but where did she get that? The what? The laptop and stuff. Yeah. Well, they probably programmed it and stuff. You know, uh, with the with the knowledge and the know how, you can definitely do something like that. But my thing is, every ATM has a security camera right on it, so. You know, if, if something like that happened, I think the cops would have been called and they would have been arrested right away. Uh, we see a video of Sarah being questioned by Dr. Silberman. And it's very similar to the Kyle Reese one uh, in part one, which in that episode I had mentioned, you know, this kind of parallels uh, the, the second movie. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that they let her smoke <laughs> inside this, uh, I don't know, this office. To the 90s. I guess, but it's supposed to be 1997 in the movie, right? Not yet. Not yet. What is it? 90, 94. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was no, 95? 94, somewhere, 95. Somewhere close to there because, um, well, because 10 years it, passed after 10 years passed and, you know, 1984. She, so is that the right date? 84, but then, you know, nine months pregnant. And then so 85, he was born. He's 10 now, so he should be about 95. 94, 95. Yeah. Um, but by even even by 95, that's four years uh, difference from the real from the year that they actually filmed it. Um, I gotta imagine. Wait, what were we talking about? We the smoking. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to remember when they. I want to say they did away with that in like in the mid to late 80s can't imagine them still smoking well she smoked um i just it, it just kind of bothered me because she's a patient you know and it just it doesn't sound like something that they would allow a patient to do i mean i could be wrong somebody let me know um but she seemed uh, uh, she seems a little embarrassed by the way she reacted on film um and her personality kind of has kind of changed right from the very first movie um i kind of noticed she swore a lot more often in this one and she seems to be more of a um a hard hard uh harder she seems to be a lot harder uh, as as her personality yeah yeah um do you does she and come muscles. off um yeah physically yeah she's she's a lot more uh, intimidating uh, than than in the first movie but do you think she's got PTSD do you know what that is i don't I don't think she has PTSD. You don't think so? I mean, no. she's she's gone through some stuff. I mean, she's she... gone through some stuff, but not enough to give her PTSD because that's... You don't think so? If she did have PTSD, she would see everything as anything that could kill her. Uh, I mean, that's not always true. I mean, she she is extremely paranoid. Uh, you know, she's uh, well aware that Judgment Day is coming, and she knows that possibly another Terminator can be sent. Well, that's more paranoia than over PTSD. Mm. I'd like to get a psychologist to uh, maybe throw some insights on that. Psychiatrist. <laughs> um, she changes her story a little bit. Um, basically, she wants to get transferred to a um, minimum facility or something, so that way John can visit her. Minimum wing. Yeah, because she's in maximum... And they won't allow any visits. And she just wants to see John. You know, she wants to make sure he's safe and that he's okay. Um, and Dr. Silberman mentioned something about the, um, I guess she she believed that the computer factory covered up the incident because there's no evidence of, you know, any Terminator parts like the arm or, you know, anything like that. 
which is kind of weird, right? Um, but very interesting. That's that's not something I caught before. The only problem I have with um, the whole cover up is, you know, they have they have the arm all over the place, but they also had the whole exoskeleton that got crushed. Like what they do with that, and you know, everything else that was around the factory, maybe the explosions, all the um, debris, and uh, uh, I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Kyle's body, right? Um, and they don't have any records of him anyway, since he mm-hmm. is from the future. Um, we meet Miles Dyson, played by Joe Morton, and uh, we find out that they do that. Uh, Miles Dyson works for Cyberdyne, and that he, uh, in his in his possession, you know, somewhere in a safe or what, what do you call this? Like some kind of security storage or whatever. A very yeah. secure um, area vault, vault, a secure vault. I like that. Um, they have the microchip from the first Terminator and the uh, arm. Um, so they have that very brief scene there. Uh, we get the scene at the Galleria, which is like I don't know. I, I guess kind of a mall and an arcade. Um, but this scene, it's kind of similar to the scene at the uh, the club in in uh, Terminator One. And why I say that is because, you know, you get the, the, the scene where Arnold and the T-1000 square off in that little, um, I, I guess, in, in a hallway, right? Um, but did you notice the two games that John was playing in the arcade? Yeah, they were both uh, war games. Yeah. You know, I, having, having to do with uh, flying planes and uh, mm-hmm. gunfire. And the other one was like, um, I forget the name, and I should have gotten the name. It's... I I've played it before and I don't want to call it the wrong thing, but uh, basically it's um, the the first one. It's you know all these missiles are coming at you and you got to shoot other like rockets and stuff in its way to make it explode prior to it uh, impacting you. You know, so yeah, you, you're right. War games. Um, I wanna I wanna go back to yeah. um, the previous scene where Miles Dyson goes into that uh, uh, uh vault. storage vault. Yeah. Um, he is the head of special projects right. of, for Cyberdyne, mm-hmm. and I can't help but make a connection between uh, uh, special projects in this movie and Amazing Spider-Man Two. Okay, because all I could think about was um, you know the special projects room where there was all those wonderful things inside that not really many people knew about. Right, you know it's it's pretty much the same thing. It, it is, and I mean it's. Um... Are you thinking Cyberdyne works in conjunction with? Uh... No, no, oh, okay. no. I'm just, I'm just wondering if <laughs> you, you uh, just, you all, do... all big technology companies have their own special projects. Oh, I'm sure they do, oh. and and they probably just call it that special projects. You know, and I, I don't. They may have code words and operations, but I, I'd imagine most, um, you know, companies, you know, manufacturers like this type of industry that they have like a, like a like. A, research and development program you know just just like lucius fox from the dark knight you know something like that i i would imagine he'd be something like a specials uh, a special um project t- t- type of department yeah, um, they should have had morgan freeman movie miles dyson they probably let me see 91 i don't shawshank redemption came out in 94 i'm not sure what he was doing Mm, but I'm sure he was busy. Uh, Morgan Freeman has done a lot of movies. Not quite playing God and Bruce Almighty yet, but, <laughs> um, but the 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 yeah the 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 shootout in the hallway. What'd you think of that? That's it, you get the slow motion, and then you get uh, Arnold coming in with a box of roses, which he drops and pulls out a rifle. I don't know why, but I felt like it was a symbol of something. You know, him stepping on the roses. I don't know. Um, I'm sure there is, and I'm not a very bright person to be able to give, you know, give you like what, what it possibly means, but, uh, maybe red usually meaning like, uh, some sort of innocence or something and he's stepping on it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the, um, the wrong podcast to go to, to, to get those answers. The, uh, naiveness of John Connor mm-hmm. crushed. Wait could be um do you think he knew right away that they were terminators no i don't until um they started smashing each other through the walls yeah just two guys with guns yeah and smashing each other through walls now it's kind of unfortunate but i think the first death in this movie is an asian guy let me think about that for a second nope 
Well, the first death was a cop. Do you think he died? Though? I'm pretty sure he died. What if he was just stocked in his stomach really good? It's a T1000. <laughs> he probably died. They they don't show it, so we don't know for sure. You know, just like in a lot of movies, right? You got to see the body to know for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the... the Now, this is practical effects. I don't know if you knew this, but when the T-1000 was getting shot, they had squibs that would pop out those bullet wounds, mm-hmm. you know, that looked like, um, you know, the, the silver effects of him getting shot, you know, getting, getting shot in the chest there. That was practical effects and squibs. So uh, I, for the longest time, I thought that was just... Um, you know, uh, computer generated, but it wasn't. But what do you think of the, the look of that? That the splatter. They look really, really fake. Like it was, it was a cool effect doing that. Like, cause it, uh, it actually looked like he was getting shot. Right. It just, they just look really fake. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't a big fan of that. No, okay. I'm not a big fan of things that easily look, look fake. Okay. It, it worked for me, but, um, you know, I, I, I kind of watched this when I, um, you know, when it first came out. But just this scene, like the slow-mo of Arnold um, carrying the, the roses and stuff like that, I remember it being in the music video, You Could Be Mine, uh, performed by Guns N' Roses. So maybe that's what the scene was, you know, Arnold was holding a gun and he stepped on roses. So he was singing to the T-1000, You Could Be Mine. Yes, yes, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, that that song. It's um, I I want to say this movie is what made that song famous. I don't know if the song was written for the movie, but uh, it's a good song. That that's the one that uh, John was playing on his uh, um, ghetto blaster or or uh, boombox, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I would say ghetto blaster or yeah, boombox on the on his dirt bike. You know, I gotta say this this movie is what made me want a dirt bike when I was younger. Uh, never got it, and your grandpa said uh, I would get one, and I never did. <laughs> so he uh, he says a lot of things. Um, let me see here. So we get the the chase scene, right? The uh, let me see the T one thousand hijacks a. A semi at this point I think and then he chases uh, after John uh, who's on the dirt bike and then you got Arnold uh, on the motorcycle um, what'd you think about this uh, chase scene this chase scene was pretty good mm-hmm. but uh, I think it dragged on for way too long yeah the, you know I kind of noticed that um, a lot of these scenes are really long I mean this movie is like what 217 or something like that it, it's it's a long movie um, and I'm fine with it I, I, I kind of I enjoy it enough that some scenes were kind of slow, but I don't think uh, this particular one um, was. But um, did you have like like a favorite scene or a favorite moment during this chase? My favorite moment was when the semi truck hit the top of the ceiling and the whole top just came off clean. I don't know why, but I think that happened in the last movie too with something else, where um, you know the the Terminator's just driving something really fast and the top of whatever car he's driving on just comes off straight up clean and I just, is, I, I like the look of it. Is is that the point where um, the T-1000 like uh, comes up comes up from the side? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so he ducked? Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny but the... the that's why the, that's why it's my favorite. Oh, okay. Yeah, because the music playing is um, kind of um, kind of like a horror sound or, you know, music. Um it, it was supposed to come off like a little, a little scary, like, oh, what happened? And then he comes off. See, this movie I could see as a horror movie. Like, I mean, you know, the yeah, first one, some people can argue that it, it's it, that one was a little bit more scary than this one, but I, I think this one was a little bit more scary. Okay. Um, did you like the explosion and then the, the T-1000 walking out uh, in, in full liquid metal form? I liked it. Yeah. You know, just cool reminded me of Silver Surfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah I could see that. So later on, you got Arnold, uh, you know, the uh, John Connor tells him to stop the bike, and Arnold fills him in on the whole story. You know, the future you sent me to come and protect you, I'm here to protect you. And then um, what I like about this scene is because it's pretty comical, you you know, where uh, John is asking for help. Hey, goddammit, what's your problem? Goddammit! This does not help our mission. Help! Get this psycho off of me! Help! Help! Help of me, kid! Get this psycho off of me! Let me go! Why the hell did you do that? 
because you told me to. What? You have to do what I say, huh? That's one of my mission parameters. Prove it. Stand on one foot. Yes! Cool. My old Terminator. You okay, kid? Take a hike, Bozo. So let's get out of here. What? Fuck you, you little dip-ish. Dip-ish. Put your leg down. Did you find that scene funny at all, or did that work for you, or no? Seeing it for the first few times, I never really noticed that scene, but I remembered watching it a few more times, and I realized that John was like, put your leg down as soon as they came over. Right. Um. At, at that point, it was a little funny, but seeing it so many times before I got it, it wasn't that funny. Mm. Right after this, we get the call home. And in the episode with the first movie, I mentioned how, well, the movie mentions that, you know, dogs can sniff out the Terminators, right? So um, John calls home, which his foster mom picks up, and he notices that she's acting kind of weird. And not only that, but the dog is barking. And um, so he, he thinks, you know, he asks the T-800, hey, do you think he's already there? John, honey, it's late. Please don't make me worry. Could I already be there? Honey, are you okay? I'm right here. I'm fine. Are you sure? Are you sure you're all right? What's the dog's name? Max. Hey, Janelle. What's wrong with Wolfie? I can hear him barking. Is he okay? Wolfie's fine, honey. Wolfie's just fine. What are you? Your foster parents are dead. Now, when I was a kid, when we owned this, we had it on VHS. For whatever reason, at this point, once she says, uh, Wolfie's just fine, on our copy, the, the, the tracking goes completely black and white, you know, like the snow effect. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, that's creepy. It, it is, because, yeah, it, it, it turns to that, but you can, you can still hear what's going on. You can hear the dialogue, but the, uh, the screen goes that way. So for, for years... That's that's all I remember, and then when it comes back to, it it's right when um the T one thousand is changing back to into his form, and we see the foster dad on the ground, you know, with with the uh, milk carton on the ground, and you can tell that he's just been stabbed in the head, right? So I so I didn't know what happened in that time frame for a long time, probably probably not until I got you know I bought it for the first time on DVD. <laughs> so imagine that, like, you know, because um, I don't remember what the TV version looked like, you know, like how much of it might be edited, but I'm sure some of it was. But for the longest time, I didn't know exactly what happened in that scene. I mean, I could assume what happened, but I didn't get to see it because of that. So that was one of the faults of having VHS back then, <laughs> you know, so, so something like that could happen. Like you can accidentally maybe rec record over certain scenes or whatever. So after the the death of his foster parents, we see uh, Sarah is sitting with a couple cops, you know, with pictures from the mall. Um, so she, you know, realizes that, you know, they are in danger, right? Because this is the same guy from 1984 where he shot apparently 17 cops and... Um, and killed. Yes, shot and killed 17 cops who had families. You know, the police officer wanted us to know that. Um but she seems a little out of it, right? And they, they kind of buy it. They, they, I guess, they, for whatever reason, they just think that she's out of it. Like, for me, I would have been like, okay, she's totally acting because she wants to get out to go save her son now because she knows what's up, right? Um, I don't I don't think so. Like, you don't the, think so? the way she was acting, I wouldn't have thought, and uh, she's acting just so she can escape. I would have thought what... Maybe we might have drugged her a little bit too much. <laughs> that could be. That could be. Um, but yeah, she uses that opportunity to steal a paperclip that was on the table. Um, so Sarah's escape, right? The, she's getting um, tight. Uh, no, strapped to her bed, and this creepo, orderly or whatever he is, he licks her on the on the cheek. Um, I'm assuming he sexually molests, you know, these women. You know, at, at night, and I, what did you take from his reaction when he licks her on the cheek, 
looks that she has no reaction to it and he's kind of like hmm and then walks off do you think she oh, that's probably what it is it's just that there is no reaction right yeah do you think that that's why he reacted that way yeah yeah of course yeah but the the thing that really got me in the scene was she never really like wiped that spit off her face <laughs> she just kind of like kept on going i was like oh i would never do that well, maybe he had uh, minty breath and she was okay with that. Yeah, see, that I wouldn't mind. But a <laughs> creep like that, he probably doesn't brush really well. Yeah, I wasn't digging his hair. You know, yeah, he no. Kinda... He's kind of nasty. Um, but so she she is able to pick the lock and escape. Now, did you ever catch any time that she runs, she does this little jump skip as if she's trying to give herself like a little, uh, like a little boost right before she runs? Yeah, a little hop skip. Yeah. She, yeah. she must have done it like three times. Yeah, a little plow step. That's what it's called in parkour. Oh, so you do that too? If you're going for a flip. <laughs> okay, but she's not flipping. She's or, running. Or a jump or to get you to go a little bit faster for something. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. And I've always um, noticed that as a kid. That like, what, why is she doing this little hop before she actually starts running? Just this little skip. But uh, one of the female guards has an arm cast on her. Did, did you notice that? Do you think that maybe Sarah has something to do with it? I did not notice that. But you know which one I'm talking about, right? No. The uh, the female security guard that had, she had, her hair was kind of short and her hair was also combed back. I know the woman you're talking about, but yeah. I don't remember seeing an arm cast. Okay, yeah. I think it was her, I want to say her right arm. Anyway, one of her arms had a cast on it. And I, I noticed that. I was like, ooh, I wonder if Sarah has something to do with it. Because they they made um, mentioned earlier that she has made many attempts. Uh, uh, many escape attempts uh, while being held there. I just wonder where Sarah learned how to be this hard. Like, well, she, um, John mentioned that she spent a lot of time in Nicaragua. Oh, okay. Which that, is in uh, South America, yeah. So she spent a lot of time down there. Um, we we get the uh, the famous line, "Come with me if you want to live." So Arnold and John come out of the elevator, but I kind of I was looking for this. Arnold came out first, which uh, makes Sarah fall to the ground. She backs up. She says, no, no. And then as she just shoots from the corner, you see John come out from behind. Yeah, and then John finally comes out of the elevator. Like, what took so long, you know? Uh, but, you know, it's all supposed to be uh, intense, right? It's supposed to be... It may have been because John was, like, sucking himself up to see Sarah. Like, you know, all right. All right, we're about to bust into a mental institution to see my mom. All right, I got this. Let's do this. And then he goes out, and he, he hears it. Like, oh, crap. So, so, so you're saying he's pacing back and forth in the elevator, and he's like, um, hey, mom. No, no, that sounds so dumb. Yeah. Uh, Hi, mom. No. Uh, leaning for a hug? No, that's not it. And then he checks his breath. <laughs> and then he's like, no, no. And then he walks out. Is, is that what's going on Perhaps. in there? Okay. And so she obviously thinks that the T-800 is the same one from the first movie, so she starts running away. Right? John, John is like, hey, mom, mom. No, it's me. And then we see the uh, another scene that was from the music video where the T-1000 shows up and he tries to walk through the gate but gets stuck because he's holding a pistol that won't go through. Uh, what do you think of that? Was that pretty funny? That was just stupid. You thought it was stupid? <laughs> I, I thought that was stupid. I, I just like Dr. Silverman's face because I think they were about to sedate Sarah and he had like a like a, um, like a a needle, like a cap in his that mouth. That was funny. That yeah. part was funny. <laughs> okay. the, the gun getting stuck was not funny. Um, I think, you know, now that I think about it, the, that female guard, I think, didn't Arnold, like, throw her into the wall or something? No, I think that was one of the men. Or oh, one of the men, okay. I think he just, like, oh, no. punched Th- her. This is when they st- steal the squadron later on in the garage. He he, he throws him into a pillar. Oh, yeah, in the yeah. Garage. Okay. That's bet... what I'm thinking of. Yeah, no. Well, she has the same hair as this, this male <laughs> security guard. So they were uh, able to escape, and they take a trip to Mexico and Arnold tells Sarah everything about Miles Dyson. You know, um, they spent a little time in this um, gas station, I guess, that was closed overnight, obviously. Um, and then, so, they, they drive to Mexico. At least that's where I think it is. It could be New Mexico. But th- this is where I think it was a little long, because we also get some narration from Sarah Connor. But what would you think about their time down there? Uh, they probably spent, like, a night there or something. Actually, probably, like, a few hours. Um John does a lot of teaching him some stuff, like on the car ride. Yeah, you know, this, this was a little hasta la vista. This was a little unnecessary. That the time that it, they, that they uh, 
the time that they spent in that desert. I don't know. I just didn't really care for this scene too much. Like when the when it was going on, I was just kind of waiting for it to be over. Yeah, but they did go down there to make sure that they can get you know a ride, and they also went to go stock up on some weapons. So that's right. probably mainly it. But um, yeah, I, I don't know why they didn't ask for some help. You know, for, from those people down there, because they seem like they would ride or die for Sarah Connor. You know, right? But you know, then again, you know, it's you don't want to involve too many people because it's pretty much almost certain death. Yeah, well, not until Judgment Day when it it is. You know, you you die to survive. Um. Okay, so Sarah goes to sleep, uh, or she falls asleep, I guess, in the middle of the day, and envisions Judgment Day. Um, I could have done without this scene. Yeah, Maybe. this was um this my if it was an extended version, this would have been on it. But I think um, there is, I think there is an extended version of that. Uh, but I think basically is it kind of I mean it wakes her up figuratively and literally, but you know because of what she just saw, that that kind of motivates her to put a stop to it even more. I, I think, and that's why she goes after Miles Dyson herself. You know, to, to the point where she even leaves John and the T eight hundred there. You know. Um, so we get the scene where she tries to assassinate Miles Dyson uh, at his home in front of his family. Um, now, the, just like the eye scene that we got in part one, this scene, he uh, does something kind of similar, but um, not with the eye. It's with the arm, right? He uh, takes a you know a knife to his arm and slices it down the middle and rips off the arm piece. And uh, you see the endoskeleton of his arm. What do you think of that? Yeah, uh, that effect. That that's actually pretty cool. Like, uh, if you saw it for the first time, you might have actually thought that Arnold Schwarzenegger has actual metal inside of him. Yeah, the the framing of that scene was uh, really good, and I kind of like the animatronics too. It looked it looked real. I wouldn't be surprised if Arnold actually does have some <laughs> metal inside of him. Could could be. Um, did you did you like how he wore a glove from then on, or do you think that he should just? I liked how he wore a glove from then on, but. Um, that was probably just a way so that uh, they wouldn't have to keep on using the right, you know, metal arm. Nope, that's exactly what it was. So, at this point, they learn that much of uh, Dyson's research uh, has been, you know, reverse engineered from the damaged uh, microchip and the right arm of the previous Terminator. Uh, so the next scene, they go to Cyberdyne, and we get a call back to an earlier scene with the hacking. Right, we get um, like a bunch of the doors and. Um, uh, locked down now that they had uh, trespassed no, trespass, a broke in you know yeah, a security wire. breach and, and all these things so one of the doors uh, well basically Dyson's uh, access has is now denied everywhere and so we get John you know hacks through the system somehow to get the door open did they ever really get the door open because I know that um, yes Okay, they do because I know uh, Arnold, you know, shot a couple doors open with the uh, the grenade launcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. And probably one of my favorite uh, scenes in the Cyberdyne building is when Arnold is wielding the minigun and he's shooting out from whatever story they're on out onto all the, like the police cars, making sure that he's not killing anybody. And uh, I just really like that, just because. Um, basically he's trying to keep all the cops away right to buy them some more time but you pointed out that after he was done shooting that the human casualty was 0.0 yeah so I wonder what the decimal would be like if it was like one and a half what what, what is how does that compute to like half a death yeah (laughs) it's the did the person get shot like near the heart and paralyzed. is dying? <laughs> paralyzed. I wouldn't say. I mean, you could be paralyzed and not die for a long time, but it, th- that was very interesting. I mean, I, I guess that's supposed to show us that that is very computer. You know that they would have something like that. I guess I don't know. Two point seven human casualties. <laughs> yeah, or two point seven five. Like <laughs> one arm is missing. <laughs> um. So after they escape Cyberdyne, um. Well, we get the I'll be back, right? We get the I'll be back there. And I like the scene um, when they get out of the elevator at the very, you know, the first floor. And Arnold is coming out and he's getting shot um, repeatedly by all these cops, right? And you see, like, pieces are, you know, of flesh are flying off of his face. And you get more of the endoskeleton being revealed on his face, too. Uh, so I, I really like that scene. Yeah, I think that was a good way to uh, reveal his inner face. 
his interface. Get it, computer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, I, like what, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> um, the T-1000, uh, he gets there at the, uh, at, at the end on a motorcycle. Um, so he's, I guess, going up the flight of stairs to the top floor, wherever they were at. And uh, what do you think about the part where he drives off uh, the building and into the helicopter? I thought that was a pretty cool scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Even when he like uh, uh, when he lands in there and then kind of morphs into like a like a pilot, get out. <laughs> so another one of those famous lines. Uh, and I think that scene was also in the music video. I should show you the music video to show you uh, which you know scenes they used. Nah, it's okay. Yeah. Um, but you, you like that? Did you have any other thoughts of that? What would no. you think the the pilot? He just went ahead and jumped out of the, yeah. the helicopter. I mean, you know, if I saw um, a machine like that just jump at me, what well, from a motorcycle motorcycle from like like a four or five stories high and have him like liquefy through the glass, I would definitely jump out of a helicopter because I wouldn't want to be with him. Well, here here's what I would do. First off, he told me to get out. He's not. First off, he's not killing me. I would have lowered the helicopter a little bit, and then like hopped onto the roof roof of a car. Well, maybe <laughs> you know you're trying to rush out of the helicopter because he might kill you if you if you don't get out right away. It's a good point, but but he was giving the, the man an opportunity to live. So good on him because that's probably the first time he's done that. Um, we get the helicopter versus the SWAT van, which is what the the other three uh, escaped in. Um, and then oh yeah we didn't mention it earlier but Dyson's dead now yeah D- Dyson uh, he uh, he blew up the building um, that's yeah yeah you're right I, I didn't even mention that what would you think of that death scene I liked it you yeah. know it signifies the death of Dyson also signifies the death of Skynet possibly possibly at, at this point yes but I, I almost want to okay I know that Dean Norris uh, an actor is in this movie I think he was the one that finds Miles Dyson and tells everyone to clear out. You don't know who that is, but he uh, plays Hank from Breaking Bad, you know, uh, one of my favorite shows. So I think that's him, um, who actually was also in the movie Hard to Kill that I previously reviewed um, on, on our show. Um, but yeah, what would you think about the the whole chase scene with the T-1000? And This was also very long. It was. It was really long. And um, I like it, though. Uh, they, you know... You, you get everyone shooting uh, out of the back of the SWAT van, uh, and then Sarah Connor gets shot. And this is one thing I don't like about movies. When somebody gets shot on an extremity, the first thing they, they, they do is take a rag or something, and they tie it around that, that part, and, you know... Um, They're fine for the rest of the movie. Well, here, okay, here's the thing. Because like, John even says, apply pressure to it, which she doesn't do. She takes, like, a shirt or something, wraps it around her leg, and ties a knot. Over over the wound. Maybe she tied it really hard. Well, that's what I, I think she did. But here's the problem with that: what you're doing is you're cutting off blood circulation in that excuse me in that body part, which if if it if it's um if the blood stops circulating for too long, there you know can come a point where you have to amputate that that part you know because now that part's dead. So it's just a, a, like a trope in movies that you see like, oh, here's a wound. Let's, let's tie off this part. Like, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> um, so, but a little nitpicky there. Um, the liquid nitrogen effects. Very famous scene. It's even parodied in, in a couple of movies. More, um, I think the, the biggest parody was in Hot Shots Part Deux. Um, but yeah, you, there's liquid nitrogen that, uh, you know, freezes the T-1000, Arnold shoots him, splatters all over the ground. Now, the first time, I don't know if you recall, did you think he was done for? You think that was it? He, he, you know, splatters to pieces, he's frozen. I think the first time watching this, I actually kind of expected him to get back together because it's like, well, he's liquid and you froze him, maybe he's dead, but then there's also a better chance of a possibility that he's just gonna melt and get back together yeah what do you think of the effects of the those pieces melting and then coming together again i really like that part because it was actually really cool you you don't know how they did it right uh, i believe they melted something and just replayed it back reverse effect no uh what they did was i i don't remember the uh the actual liquid but they used mercury and injected this liquid with mercury so so those uh the little pieces of puddle those are real right because the mercury it it, it holds 
um, as those drops. And then what they did was they took a uh, like a blow dryer to you know to to push all of those drops all together to form a big puddle. That's cool. Yeah, and then they used a large magnet for the to to raise. No, I'm kidding. No, oh. everything after that was CGI. <laughs> um, but you were falling for it. I wonder if listeners were like, whoa, 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 whoa. that's not how it happened. <laughs> but yeah, it's in the special features. And I remember seeing that like when I was really young too. I was really heavy into watching special features. It was one of my favorite things to do. Um, so basically the end of the movie is all in the steel, steel mill here. It went uh, on way too long. It, it was, Again, like a lot of these, a lot of set pieces, right? Um, they spent a lot of time in a lot of different places and they're all long. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But the entire scene at the steel mill, the, what were some things that you liked about it? You know, there's the, there was a fight between the T-800 and the T-1000. Uh, my, my favorite things were the d- different um, effects of the T-1000 morphing, like during the fight. You know what I'm talking about? Like the scene where Arnold uh, throws the T-1000 into a wall and then he sh- shifts like in reverse. Yeah, that, that was cool. Yeah. Um, I had a few nitpicks about this particular scene. Um, one of them is, why did the T-1000 try and torture Sarah into having her call Connor, I mean John, if um, you know he could just mimic Sarah anyways? Uh, there is a deleted scene where he is kind of malfunctioning, kind of like the um, in that first Hulk movie. What's, what was the, the dad? You know where he like if he touched something. He's, oh, um, uh, uh, absorbing man. Okay, so that's that's kind of what's going on. So he's kind of glitching right now. And there's one scene where like you look at his feet and his feet blends in with the like the the um, like the the ground. You know, so like if if he was to change into Sarah, which I think he does in a deleted scene. Like John would notice, like something on him is off. Well, he still does turn into Sarah later. Yeah, you're right. But uh, th- that's the one thing that they cut, though. It's like he, John, I think John looks, or somebody looks down at at the feet of Sarah, and like it's it's wrong. Um, you know, it's not a pair of feet. It, it's like it's blended in into into the floor or into the ground. Um, another nitpick I have is with uh, the T-800 Terminator as well as the T-1000. You know, if the T-1000, after he, um, you know, strikes that giant pole through the middle of the T-800, you know, terminating the T-800, how come he just walks away? If he Does he not know that he has a second alternate battery life? Yeah, uh, that, that's a yeah. That, that's that's a a fair nitpick, definitely. It's um, because they're the T one thousand is more advanced, right? Yeah. And a couple times the T eight hundred in this movie has mentioned that he's got detailed files on different things. Miles Dyson was one of them. Why does the T one thousand not know like the anatomy of the T eight hundred? You know, because that's one another one of the files that the T eight hundred has is the anatomy of human beings. Um, just because you know they need to know how to terminate, um, but yeah, they, that, that's a very fair point that that you that you make there. Uh, did you have any other um, things that you liked about the this uh, the the fights there? Uh, I like the part where they were fighting, and then I think Arnold punches him in the face, and like the head turns into like two hands holding onto like Arnold's fist. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were very forward thinking with these effects back in '91. I um. For some reason, after Arnold shot the T-1000, where, where did he shoot him exactly? Just right in the middle? Yeah, well, there, there was one point he shot him right in the face. And then you There's, got the big old hole in the face. Right, but I mean like... Oh, the the grenade launcher at the end? Yeah. Um, I don't remember where, but it splits, splits him pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it splits him really good. And, uh, you know, the, the head is like really tall up high, and then the arm is in a whole other place. And for some reason, I just got the image of the thing in my head. The thing? The thing. Why the thing? From Fantastic Four? No, 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 no. From John Carpenter. Oh, i never seen that. Neither have I, but I don't know. I just got the image in my head. Uh, okay. <laughs> have, you, have you not ever seen the monster before? Uh. You should see it. It's crazy. But um, I don't know. I just got an image of it in my head. Maybe there was an inspiration there. Maybe. Yeah, could be. Um, the movie came out before this movie did. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, you're right. 
so we get the the end of that. Uh, they, you know, uh, he falls into like molten metal lava, I guess, and and uh, melts away. And then we get uh, the the scene of of Arnold asking Sarah to lower him down as well because he can't self terminate, right? So he has to uh, have her help him with that. And John, you know, is uh, is has grown to like him and doesn't want him to go. Did you find this scene sad at all? Nope, I found it annoying. Like, come on, let him die, go. Are you are you just annoyed by John? Yeah. A lot of people don't like John, you know. And uh, most of the movie, there is a lot of teens. There's a lot of whining. Times, yeah, we're just whining. I just wanted to punch him. (laughs) I don't care if you're the leader of a resistance. Hey, you're five years older than him too. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. I um. I, I agree to a certain extent. It's, it's really not that bad. I mean, I get it, you know. Um, but what'd you think of the thumbs up on his way down? That part was that. That was nice. That was a good touch. Okay, because a lot of people don't like it. Um, the reason I'm fine with it, uh, I don't, you know, like it or dislike it. But the reason that he does that is because it, it, it pays off. Because the scene in Mexico where John was teaching him slang and things like that. You know, he was learning about, you know, humans crying. There was a scene, like, um, and I think, like, Sarah was narrating over the scene, but John was showing him, like, how to do a thumbs up. Mm. You know, so so we saw that. You know, maybe people missed it because they were listening to what Sarah was saying. But, um, so that, that, that comes back. That pays off, you know, that uh, the T-800 is giving him a thumbs up on the way down. So I, I'm fine with it. But um, yeah, that's the end of the movie. I don't think we gave ratings for the first one. Do you? Do you recall? No, we did not. Okay, so you know, let's uh, wrap it up. I I still think the effects are awesome. This this movie, the effects hold up so much that I think it's still better than some of the effects today. You know that? How sad is that? The um, the score of the movie is uh, is awesome. You know, it's a little bit different from the first one. I think this one is done a, a lot better. Uh, acting wise, I think everyone was pretty good. Uh, John Connor, yeah, he's kind of whiny, but he is a kid. Most most kid actors, they you know, come on, he does a lot of shouting and swearing. It, you know, it. I don't know if he was supposed to be likable. <laughs> um, but the the first movie, you know, I'm gonna give that. Um, you know, I'm gonna give them both a four and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. Cause, for for different reasons too. I think the storytelling was better in the first movie. Um, the second one, I just like the action and because like you mentioned, the pacing is it's kind of slow in in a lot of different scenes. But this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't think it's a perfect movie. That's why it's not a five. But I was kind of leaning on a five. But if some of the scenes were cut down just a smidge more, I I, I think I could have given it a five. But I mean, four and a half is very strong. I mean. You know, and um, p- part one, four and a half people might think that's a little high too, but I think the the story, you know, and, and the writing for its time, I think it's really, really good. Um, and it being an independent film and uh, Cameron not having a whole lot of money to work with, I think he did a really good job. So both movies, I'm going to give four and a half. Um, for me, let's say I'm going to have to give both a 4.25. Um, I really like the story and writing in the first movie, but um, I think it focused a lot on uh, Sarah Connor's, um, you know, a little girly foolishness about how the world won't really end until, like, the very end of the movie where she finally got it. And uh, the second one, it would be higher because I did like the story and action a lot more than the first one. Um, You know, I like the, the T-1000 and everything. It just... If only the scenes were a little bit shorter at some points, then I probably would have given this like a four and a half or in seventy five. Otherwise, both are four point twenty fives for me. That's still pretty good, but what's new, right? I usually give higher scores anyway, but that's why people come to this show to hear your perspective. I'm a tough critic. Yeah, uh, and I'm a very casual movie watcher, so I I, I like them a little bit more than than others. Um, and even more so Genesis, like a lot of people are like, what, you really liked it that much? And like, yeah, I do. You know, I think, uh, Genesis was actually pretty good. Uh, we did a brief, uh, interview, uh, we, as in means some friends, you know, for those that haven't checked that out, go ahead and do so. There's a non-spoiler section and a spoiler section, but, um, that concludes our Terminator, uh, reviews. Saga. Yeah. We're not going to do three and four. Um, 
Genesis, you know, you and I will discuss that later on down the line. Perhaps we'll do one for that if you want. Um, but you will be gone for a few weeks uh, for the rest of the summer, basically uh, at some camps. So I'll have, you know, probably guests uh, lined up to come on and do some, some movie reviews. Um, so I, I don't think we've discussed, you know, another, like the next movie you'll come on to do. But we, we definitely have at least three or four uh, listener requests that I would like to get to. So perhaps one of those, you know, when you return. But... Uh, no emails or anything like that because we uh, we're just recording this to you know so that way I can have and put out while Phoenix is gone. But if you want to email in for any of the episodes um, or even requests or even just to say hello, you can do so at a uh, HLF Podcast at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HLF Podcast. You can also find our episodes on following films along with other movie uh, film podcasts. Um, So definitely check us out there. And if you like what I do, I do a second podcast called The Original Remake, uh, which on Twitter is at Original Remake. And I podcast with uh, my friend Mike Denniston from War Machine vs. War Horse, where we take a movie and we compare it with its remake. So it's a fun listen. Uh, Check us out. Again, all of those on followingfilms.com. So until the next episode, I am Peter. I'm Phoenix. And this is Hydrate Level 4. Hasta la vista, baby.